Welcome to another episode of Block Street's Around the Block podcast. I'm your host, Elaine Ramirez, and I'm a journalist covering startups, cryptocurrency, and blockchain for Bloomberg and Forbes. Around the Block is a series of conversations with thought leaders from around the space. On this episode, I speak with Easel Cho, one of the most legendary investors and advisors in the crypto space. After co-founding Hashed, she has since created Perceptra, a blockchain production lab that works with hand-picked projects to bring their tech to the Asian market. I caught up with her during San Francisco Blockchain Week, and we spoke about her background and how she parlayed that into a career in blockchain, leaving South Korea years ago in search of blockchain development only to return in 2017 after the country took a liking to Ethereum and the two highest potential sectors where she thinks blockchain will break through first. It's a great episode, but before we get into that, if you haven't already, head over to the Block Street Twitter account and let us know who you think we should have on next. That's at BlockStreetHQ. You can also find it in the show notes. And for one final note, if you're listening on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. It'll really help the show. Here's my conversation with Easel Cho. Your background was in data science and you also studied energy systems. What was it about blockchain that mm-hmm. brought you in? Well, actually, I really like uh, emerging technology, but at the time it was uh, quite naive. Let's say I thought it was so much can happen. Though, uh, in, inside the HSBC, the bank I was working on, and then we decided to put the, all the data, the interbank settlement data, on the blockchain, one letter. Then we thought, oh my God, now we have uh, one letter because uh, previously it was uh, all fragmented data data source. And then the which causing uh, so much problem, like uh, they don't have a real-time aggregated risk. Uh, so they everybody has their own office number, like risk number per office, how much risk they are exposed. exposed. But then the, they just aggregate. And let's say uh, currently all the banks and like, uh, uh, 42 different office has uh, their own segmented data, data source which causing uh, so much issue in the operation and then the very inefficient. But we imagine, we thought at the time though, well, let's have a one letter, it's amazing. And then the, everything is beautiful, just like uh, we become a Facebook level of the e- efficiency and all the things in the bank, so excited. <laughs> and then, at least uh, on the HVC. And then they we realized later the, all the regulation, the, all those things, it uh, wasn't uh, as perfect as the, the our imagine excited excited imagination <laughs> so yeah but it's uh, that was already three years ago so uh, we actually thought that's a really big lesson isn't it like uh, then we don't go that path and then uh, we didn't take the path yeah so w- when you first started getting into the blockchain technology mm-hmm. what were the first things that um, you had to learn what were the first concepts that you had to get your head around actually it's a First thing is a little bit of politics. So I came when I came in. Is uh, I was in the Bitcoiners, and then uh, uh, and then the Bitcoin people really think I'm very commercial <laughs> because I'm coming with the Ethereum made up some of the more success, and then the Bitcoin people thought that uh, we are like a faker. Okay. And then, you know, because I came, it wasn't like I at the time I was. Um, uh, only working on the Ethereum, I was working on the Bitcoin analysis data stuff, and then I was, I, I was quite agnostic, but they are thinking that I came in because of Ethereum success. A lot of people in San Francisco, 
the people call us the OG, like original <laughs> gangster. But at the back then, I wasn't the like, old You're time, an outsider. Yeah, old time Bitcoiners, and so try to navigate into the make some friends. It, was, <laughs> <laughs> it took me some time. <laughs> uh, yeah, the the dialogue has changed a lot in the in the past six years, mm-hmm. and you and I have an interesting connection, mm-hmm. is which is the South Korea connection. Mm-hmm. But um, you actually left South Korea because you uh-huh. didn't see very much blockchain right, yep. development mm-hmm. going on. There was really nothing until last year mm-hmm. or the year before. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you moved to London, that's mm-hmm. right. And now South Korea mm-hmm. is one of the capitals of, mm-hmm. of blockchain development in the mm-hmm. world. Mm-hmm. When did you start turning your eye back to South Korea? <laughs> well, actually last year when a couple of my friends and then the, they reached out to me to set up a fund together and then was this hashed? Yes. <laughs> so it, it's a rebranded as a hashed. And then I wasn't convinced enough at the time because um, I was still a developer. But I guess uh, uh, I, I visited Korea for the, uh, after our lot of discussion with um, all the founders. The, and then actually it was crazy. <laughs> it was so crazy. Like uh, at the time still Europe, the, we don't talk about the crypto that much. But when I came back to Korea at the time and then everybody in the restaurant, everybody in the metro, everybody talking about the crypto, like I was just shocked. <laughs> so yeah. I thought, oh my God, this is future. So it is no yeah. exaggeration <laughs> that like uh-huh. grandmas know what Bitcoin yes. is for yeah. sure. Yeah, I was in the metro and then the one lady, old lady was talking about the ripple and then the discussing the uh, her analysis with her friends sitting next to her. It was was a so what? random, <laughs> so random, and then uh, for me, I was um okay, what's going on? <laughs> oh, it's like a parallel universe. <laughs> yes. So do you, like was she? Do you think she's well knowledge or like how <laughs> no, do you know? Do you think she actually understood what no, I didn't, she was I, saying? No, I thought it's uh, I was shocked, and then I was actually the that that nice actually I stay in the airport hotel, and then I came walk out of the. A one noodle place which is in the middle of nowhere but the three table in that noodle place was talking about crypto so for me like oh my god it's <laughs> endless validation of the, the something amazing happening in korea so actually i was convinced and then um i i was so excited about so we set up the fund together and then the actively working supporting project investing project and then and then later the brand rebranded in the Oh, yeah, past. Yeah. So the situation with the old lady in the subway and these people in the restaurants, that is a lot of mm-hmm. cryptocurrency obsession. <laughs> and people are getting more savvy about cryptocurrencies, but do you think that is translating into more development in blockchain? Um, most certainly helpful, but it's <laughs> definitely on the... U- uh, application side, like a facing user, because we can build a lot of different things. We can build underlying technology, we can build a layer two, and then we can build uh, all the be- layers between, like uh, interlayer stuff. And then, the, but I guess the user facing one in the application, and then I think the, everything will happen in Asia first. But uh, one of the reasons I'm super excited of the living in San Francisco because um, it's a still it's a building application, building company. And then here is there are so many startups who has experience of the product management and then user acquisition, growth hacking, and which I don't think it can be ignored as well. So sure, mm-hmm. yes, I have I've come across quite a few companies that um, decide to open their development branch in South Korea and then they work on their business development maybe mm-hmm. in Singapore or mm-hmm. in San Francisco. Oh, so interesting. there's probably a lot of global activity going on uh-huh. with. South Korea being a major hub mm-hmm. for development. Mm-hmm. 
So we're here at San Francisco Blockchain mm -hmm. Week, and I've already talked to you about this before, but a recurring theme that I've seen, mm -hmm. um, especially during the first few days, people are talking about how we have this great technology um, of blockchain, but if we really want blockchain to take off, we need to be able to communicate with normal people and make <laughs> applications for mm -hmm. normal people. Uh -huh. How close do you think we are to that? <laughs> no, I, yeah, we had uh, this discussion though, over our Brito. <laughs> I think it's the same thing. Like, oh, I'm also a normal user. I'm never going to use the decentralized consensus model to, be, to eat my Brito. Like, mm -hmm. oh, oh, that doesn't help my Brito more uh, tastier <laughs> or giving me a discount. Not at all. So how far away? I don't think it's too far away. We just uh, didn't focus enough on the users. So actually, in in this industry, the when I actually help and support the um, project for their fundraise and for their setting and for their uh, like exchange listing and a lot of different things. And then what I found is that uh, they spend at least six months to eight months not having uh, enough resources or time, like a uh, time and effort to build a product. Everything is so much work in them. But at the end, uh, you don't have a time actually to build a product. So I actually really hate it. And then mm -hmm. so one of the reasons I was setting up the, this Perceptra is that I'm only going to support the pro project who has a product. And a lot of people actually encouraged me to raise a fund. So I started, suddenly I was starting the raising fund. But then, and then later I realized I don't have a product. And then at the end, I decided not to call the capital. Even though it was the all the amazing people who support me and believe in me, and I feel I felt terrible. It was a great opportunity, but at the same time, what's contradicting my own philosophy? And then uh, I'm raising fund, not having product, and then I feel so <laughs> terrible. And then that actually took me the many many months, as well, like a three months at least. I was raising fund and then setting up a fund and the structuring, and then I couldn't find the time to actually do the work. So now I'm building a very tiny boutique boutique. Like a research lab for the commercialization, productionization, supporting project for the same mission, the supporting project who has product. So now you're focusing on a boutique production <laughs> lab yeah. and selecting very few yeah, companies project. to work with. What is your selection process, or your selection criteria? For the DApp wise, uh, the like application level, I have a two focus. So I'm still meeting a lot of project and then still have a call. One is a reward point like uh, which is the MVP of a uh, payment system like payment solution or payment solution directly I'm, I'm still meeting a lot like uh, to figure out the, what project I want to support and then so go to the market together another is a gaming you became obsessed with these two categories <laughs> because you think that these are the most yeah. direct use cases for user adoption oh uh, no it's coming uh, as that's the maybe the first use case I, I am expecting to see and so we have a lot of thought leaders and developers who are working on the layer one and all the fundamental problems of scalability, et cetera. And eventually, we need to get to a point where users are actually using applications that are using blockchain, and we need apps that are actually benefiting the common user. What are the missing steps to finally get there? I think still I've been talking with a lot of project, the high profile project. Some of project though I asked them the what are you building and the why are you building? But sometimes they it start from the just that they wanna build it and then the So they're not really thinking about the user benefit? No. So I but I at the same time I can see the lots of game coming out, 
Brave um, browser now have uh, almost four to five million users, which is um, amazing, um, at least inside our crypto world. Um, and then the multiple big company like uh, Kakao and then um, Line and a lot of different like really professional at the product design and then they are now all coming in and then they will put their product manager very professional one and then they know how to build all the product and then so I guess um, I'm not to worry about and then actually the lot of things I've been worrying about actually the at the end it, it reserved and then the itself so because a lot of people try to fix it so I'm not to worry about but the, the my biggest concern still is the user the user and the use yep. cases and yep. making this technology practical for mm -hmm. people. A lot of people are afraid of saying this, like, oh, I guess uh, maybe I should be afraid of. And then uh, decentralization. So um, is a decentralization is op option and uh, when we design the product or decentralization should be like uh, some word, um, concept that we all of us should worship and then never touch. Because uh, scalability and usability could cannot be achieved sometimes and not compromising decentralization. Right. Yeah. It's a big problem that this industry yeah. has to tackle. So do you think we're ever going to get to a point where everyone knows what blockchain is? And do you think mm -hmm. we need to get to that point? I'm not sure the te all the technology I'm using in the maybe inside the uh, Apple phone, the iPhone I'm using every day and I'm, I have no idea how many chips is inside and then the what core technology and then the tremendously changed the industry I have no idea sure but by now everybody has heard of the internet mm -hmm. so whose job is it to educate <laughs> them <laughs> not educate and educating versus the building something useful as the um, just application day-to-day -day application so it becomes uh, your daily body and then the, we don't need an explanation about the technology the underlying technology Right. Okay, cool. Yeah. Isil, thank yeah. you so much for joining me. Yeah, thank, thank you so much. <laughs> okay, that's it. A big thanks to Isil for taking the time to chat, and an even bigger thanks to all of you tuning into this episode of Around the Block. As I said at the top of the show, if you enjoyed this podcast, please head over to the Block Street Twitter account. That's at Block Street HQ for a ton of great content. And if you want to find me personally on Twitter, I'm at Elaine Gija. Again, thanks for listening. I'll catch you on the next episode. This is Block Streets Around the Block, hosted by me, Elaine Ramirez. It was produced by Kenny Ferreira with research by Johan Yoon. Executive produced by Brian Lee and Ian Cho. This episode was recorded in San Francisco, California. If you'd like to hear more, you can find the podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe if you like the show.